You're listening to Messages of Infinite Light with Ain Kate Sullivan, the show that helps us discover the truth of who we are and imagines where we are going as masterful creators. Welcome, light travelers. This is Anne Kate Sullivan, host of Messages of Infinite Light, where we envision a new humanity. And you can listen to more visionary episodes on superpowerexperts.com slash messages of infinite light. My guest today is visionary psychic Anthony Teresi, who is author of an inspiring new book called Rippling Waves, A Spiritual Journey to the Heart of the Universe. In Rippling Waves, he takes us on a colorful spiritual adventure through dimension after dimension of consciousness. And we will explore in this interview multi-dimensional travel. And I think maybe, maybe we can get into some visions for a new and evolving humanity. That's what I'm really excited about right now. So... Anthony Teresa offers psychic readings. He's also the founder of a global love affair. So I'm excited to know more about that. So Anthony, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. So your book was full of so much color and light and sound and consciousness and frequency. It gave me hope. So do you think there's hope for humanity? Well, I do. Um, where we are right now is a pivotal time in terms of our evolution. And we've been here before. And unfortunately, we seem to crash and burn more than we uh, are able to reach the higher rung. But at this particular point in time, I feel it, you wouldn't know it if you are a, a visitor of the evening news, but there are so many groups and individuals and people like yourself, for example, who are out there in the world really doing their best to bring the light forward, to, to put us in a position to realize the pure quality of just simply getting to know oneself and let one's own light shine, connecting up with everyone else to, co- for, uh, to forge this incredible frequency of love. And I think that this is happening even in spite of the noise that we hear and the wars that go on. This is a, those elements are a part of our barbaric past that we are leaving behind. And uh, we are headed toward a new future. And I think that um, with as many organizations, uh, and not to mention the fact that one of the things we ha- really haven't had in the past when it comes to making these kinds of evolutionary leaps, we really haven't had science on our side. We've had religion and we've had metaphysics and we've had philosophy. And, but now in this day and age, we have science, quantum physics, proving in their own way the aspects of the field, the fact that everything is energy And the fact that we can change our own destiny by the raising of our frequency. Uh, And that is really the core issue of my book, the raising of our individual and collective frequency. Uh, We can find many ways of doing this, but uh, and I'm only outlining one way. There are many different ways uh, to head to accomplish this goal. As I'm speaking, as I said, there's over a thousand different organizations dedicated to this very goal worldwide. So we're putting up uh, the light, we're putting up the uh, future of humanity, and we're holding it in such a way that through today's technology, we are able to connect and bring this into one mighty circuit of love that will shift the entire planet. Is that going to happen tomorrow? I hope so, but it might be a little little longer. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so too. I could maybe right now. Let's just, right Right now now would work for me just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to take a little ad break. Where can people find you? What's your website? 
uh, my name.com, Anthony Teresi, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-T-E-R-E-S-I.com. Okay, wonderful. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Superpower Experience goes way beyond the podcast. Listeners can connect with hosts and one another inside the Superpower Universe Plus membership. Members get access to high vibe connections, superpower masterclasses, and much, much more. Don't wait another moment to step into your superpowers. Go to superpowerexperts.com and sign up today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is Visionary and Kate Sullivan, and you're listening to Messages of Infinite Light. And today I'm speaking with Anthony Teresi about his new book, Rippling Waves. And I think we're going to get into multidimensional travel. I am very excited about this. So, One of the things that you say in your book is that enlightenment can only be experienced. It's not something that can be taught. It's something that we have to find our way into. Would you like to speak about that? Yes. Um, there's a saying that there's no way to the way. We, it's, it's something that we find by uh, being motivated to become greater, to become uh, our true self. We get programmed early in life to believe that the outer world is the reality and we are just sort of participants walking around and trying to relate to it. And we lose the elements of our life that we had as children, the uh, focused imagination, the intuitive ability to be able to grasp things, even though our mental states have not been uh, developed as yet. So when we're talking about developing uh, for dimensional travel and higher frequencies, we are looking at going within to find that still point that it can expand beyond the mental process. That's the whole secret. The whole secret is expanding beyond what your senses tell you through your intuition to connect with pure consciousness and love. When you are able to put these two things together, not you personally, but all of us, uh, mm-hmm. we find that and amazing experiences that are available to us. I wrote Rippling Waves uh, in a story form because it in- encapsulates a lifetime worth of experiences, but there was no way to, um, how can I say, there was no way to describe each individual experience. It wouldn't have made sense because when you are expanding uh vibrationally, often you're experiencing several different dimensions simultaneously. So I had to put it in some sort of linear form so our human brains could relate to it. And that's what I've done. So in your book, you you speak about the journey beginning with your brother, the death of your brother or the disappearance of your brother and going into the jungles in Mexico. And what happened at that time? I speak of that as the beginning uh, because it was the first uh, transpersonal experience uh, that I had in terms of like the ability or not the ability, but the actuality of experiencing uh, a beyond time-space reality. I had been studying and was raised in a family uh, that these very issues were um, allotted and and put in a position to not feel smothered because of my uh, earlier skills and gifts. In either case, in Mexico, uh, I detail that in the book, but uh, to answer your question, Uh, I had an experience with my brother. Uh, We were only 14 months apart, and uh, he crashed his plane in Mexico. It was his own plane. And I went there to search for him and had spent a month covering every trail, every village, every 
possibility many times over. I hired guides, I hired uh, individual uh, people that knew the area. And at one particular point, I had to uh, come to terms with the fact that I had exhausted all possibilities. I had been over every road, I talked to every person, been to every village, used every guide, et cetera, et cetera. And it was that evening, I was sitting there in my hotel room uh, in Acapulco, getting ready to go back and have to break this news to my family who was waiting to hear what I had found. Because I had gone there originally thinking one way or another, I, I would find the answer. And I hadn't. Sitting there frustrated, uh, didn't know really uh, what to do next. And out of that moment, the room began to become lighter and lighter and brighter. And all of a sudden, as if a starburst occurred, the entire room lit up in the most beautiful array of colors. I, I can't even, uh, even if I was an uh, fine artist, I don't think I would be able to depict them because they're light. The light just shone. And from within the center of that, my brother appeared to me. It was not his body. His body, uh, this was a body of light. He, and, But it was him, uh, correct in every detail. And uh, he told me that his plane had, in fact, crashed and that he would be moving on. It was stunning. I was transfixed in that moment, uh, trying to realize what was going on. And then once I was able to let go of the, this can't be happening part of it, and realize that it was happening, I needed to embrace it, we began to talk. And he told me uh, to say goodbye to everyone. And we talked about some personal stuff. And at that stage, I realized that he was moving on and it wasn't it was hard to explain, but I was both laughing and crying at the same time because I was so happy for him. He seemed to be so enthralled with the fact of where he was heading, which I had no idea where that was. And then the light receded and he was gone. And I was just left there in a puddle of tears, both, as I said, laughing and crying. It was the most extraordinary moment that I had lived uh, up to that point. And it really brought home the fact that death does not occur. We just simply move, translate to a different frequency. Mm -hmm. I think this is really true. I, I was touched by the story and something about my own visionary experience, my multidimensional travels happened when my father died and I was with him holding his hand and walked with him as far as I could. And it was as though he opened up another world for me. And would you say something like that happened with your brother? I would, uh, because I had never experienced uh, that. And I had had many different experiences up to that point uh, with the uh, med with meditation, with uh, uh, other uh techniques. Uh, and I had really done a lot, I thought, uh, but I had never really totally experienced the complete transition out of this three-dimensional realm of time and space into, I don't even know what dimension that was, to be honest with you. I came later to find out that uh, it was something uh, completely different than what I thought at the time. It was even more beautiful, but uh I would say that that was definitely uh, an other uh, worldly experience, yes. That's amazing. Now, some people talk about, I've had a few people on the show, like um, Nusa Mall and a few others that talk about synesthesia and people who have this ability to hear color and see sound. Is that a gift that you have? Yes. Uh, it, it became, I, I've always had that. I didn't know I had it because I just thought everyone 
experience things that way. <laughs> but um, it came more into into play when I grew older uh, because my first love going as becoming an adult was music and that was my love and that was what i pursued i mean i was a family man and all that but uh, uh as far as a career is concerned uh music was uh my direction in life and in pursuing that and mastering my instruments i realized that vibration and color and light manifest simultaneously uh, for example a note on a piano when you strike it or on a guitar string or a drum produces the sound we hear but it also produces vibrations and frequencies beyond our hearing range really to infinity as far as that's concerned so i began to see these things I began to see notes traveling off the sound spectrum and began hearing uh, sounds from places that I wasn't supposed to be able to hear in them. I began seeing sounds and colors merging. And I, it was the, the musical experience that brought that into high focus for me. Because I had had experiences as a, as a child. And like I said before, I never put much store into them because I thought everyone was that way. When I found out what it was, I realized that I had this gift. I, I must mention, though, I don't have it in a way to where every single moment of my life and every day and every year that I exist is like uh, I'm bombarded with uh, all of these experiences. I really wouldn't want that. Mm -hmm. uh, I do have it uh, when I focus, when I put myself in a position to experience uh, higher dimensions, then everything comes full flower. And it's many of the descriptions in my book are, are based on uh, these uh, abilities. Yeah, it's true. I think there is a gift of synesthesia that's just starting to come online. If, if we're at a time when the higher mind is turning on in people, this might happen more and more, would you say? I would. I certainly would. I think, in fact, it might very well be one of the uh, transitioning factors in our evolution uh, and our uh, genetic leap forward into a new species. I remember a spiritual teacher that I had who used to say, you know, the spiritual awakening is beginning because you start to notice the flowers, you notice the colors, you notice all the sounds. So it, it does make a, a lot of sense. So I think all the listeners need to know if they start hearing music, you know, or seeing music and noticing flowers, it's a good, good sign. Right? Very good. Yeah. I love the way that you told stories. I think that we learn through parables. And so there, there were several that I, I really liked. Um, and then I was also intrigued about, meeting when the sage and the priestess which seemed archetypal but personal so i don't know if you'd like to speak about them yes of course uh the sage and the priestess show up in the first chapter which is the chapter uh, labeled transformational consciousness this is the chapter that deals with one becoming aware of these greater forces the sage deals with or flows in with the past shows past lifetimes past civilizations uh the evolution that has occurred often uh when civilizations uh, become advanced uh and they are able to reach that uh point of uh you know, going upward uh, in terms of their uh, skills and gifts and abilities. It, uh, the sage lays all of that out for us to see. In my particular case, it, uh, he also showed my role in these uh, myriad of lifetimes that I've lived in terms of these different epochs of 
civilization. The priestess, on the other hand, uh, shows that same type of revelation only into the future and the ability to see how these epics that the sage introduces uh, continue to develop forever, uh, really, and we're uh, part of that flowing ripple that continues onward into the uh, ethers and into the uh, future. One thing I will say about that chapter that's very important is that while I introduce the sage and the priestess as personalities, I also introduce in a more subtle way the fact that over each epoch and each uh, civilization that comes to pass, there is a greater spiritual being overseeing the evolution that we can see in uh, the description of the book that is uh, not, a, not visible to uh, the, uh, the people on the planet, but is as if a shepherd uh, guiding us on our way. And those uh, spiritual beings not only existed in the past through each epoch, but exist in the future. Uh, so it's comforting to know that uh, we, are, we have uh, these uh, bodhisattva uh, type of individuals uh, who are great spiritual beings guiding our way. It's, it's beautiful, actually. I think it's so important for each of us to know that we have guides and, we, and that there are ascended masters that, that, are, that are around us, that are always inviting us into higher levels of consciousness. Um, as you said, this, this chapter was about the transformation of consciousness. I also felt... And this might have just been me, but I felt something of the tarot there, the, the sages, the magician, the priestess. That um, Now, I have had people tell me that you can learn something about enlightenment or the, through the Harry's journey, for sure, through the tarot. Would you like to speak about that? You absolutely can. And yes, there, there are vague references. Uh, the sage is a reference of... Uh, to the card of the major arcana called the hermit and the priestess is the priestess. Uh, and they represent uh, the different levels of searching and abilities to cognize, for lack of a better word, the reality that we exist in. The tarot itself is a marvelous, marvelous oracle. It gets a lot of bad press because um, many um, I'll be kind, traditional religions, uh, put it into a category of, of uh, negative worship. But uh, it has survived through the years, and it allows us, if read right, if read correctly, it allows us an information-rich look at a person's life uh, and what they uh, are going through, and often very often uh, supplies answers that would otherwise be unavailable to the person consulting the tarot. So it is a marvelous tool. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you. And, and you know, I, I think as we're beginning to go through our spiritual awakening, we need tools that have been around for a long time that work well. And I don't think we need to be in the least bit frightened of the tarot, but one of the things that I do find interesting about the tarot when you're really working on it. I, and I have just finished creating a, a deck with Velcro to Cray, so <laughs> I could speak wonderful. Level, but it, it's, it was very, the process was and continues to be an, a, an alive process. There was some things like when we were working on the chariot, I felt like I was flying through space. It was a lot of movement and so forth. But I, I think when we're when we're in the process of spiritual awakening, which is happening on the planet, making your own deck is fantastic, but just tapping into those archetypal realities and understanding that that these beings are here and of course we need to get to to know all of the aspects of our of our true nature. So um 
Yeah, I saw that on online that you do readings. Uh, you do tarot and intuitive readings and other types of readings for people. I do all day long. Uh, tarot, <laughs> astrology, uh, intu intuitive readings, life readings, almost any kind of uh, question. The only question that I won't answer is if someone asks me when they're going to die. Other than that, any question uh, is uh, answerable. If you can ask the question, there will be an answer for it. It may not be a thousand pages. It may be just like one par spoken paragraph. But I guarantee you it will be the exact knowledge that uh, you need to have to be able to make a decision. One, one of the ways that I uh, read is uh, my clients come in or call, uh, or Zoom, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, with their, with their issues. And I will explain to them, okay, look, here's what happens if you make this decision and you go down path A. Here's what happens if you make this other decision and you go down path B. These are your options. These are your choices. But I never tell a person what to choose. They have to make their own decision. That sounds very wise, very, very wise, because it, to me, the tarot is a self-inquiry tool. And if you really sit with the cards and really look at the images, then you just, you're giving your, your own inner guidance the uh, space to be able to reveal something to you. Yeah, the tarot really reflects, quite frankly, uh, not only who we can become, we can become the hermit, we can become the priestess. Uh, so those archetypes, as you said, are, exist there. But in all 78 cards, pretty much, the combinations represent just about all human activity, positive or negative, uh, and it puts us in a position to be able to ferret that out, see it in the light of day, and be able to deal with it. Exactly. Exactly. The wisdom of the ages right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So in, yeah. In chapter two, you go into transcendent consciousness, and we're introduced to this otherworldly dimension you call Trasara, which I, I really, really enjoyed. Um would you like to tell us a little bit of, oh, you know, and I will just throw in here that my favorite part was really the globes, the rose, the violet, the white globes. That, that I, it's maybe a step up from tarot. You know, you have these globes. Globes are this reflection of unified, of our unified character, I suppose. But would you like to talk about it? Oh, I'd love to. Uh, Trisara is uh, a demonstration of a advanced civilization, far, far in advance of our own. They have transcended their personal needs. They have uh, come together to realize they are one species, and they have been working together to perfect their lives uh, and connect with the source of all. There are several symbolic, symbolic uh, elements in uh, Trasara, and the globes is one of them, or are one of them. Uh, each of the colors, for example, the rose represents love, and the yellow represents the gold. And, and the globes themselves are not depicted as physical structures. They are the result of what happens when millions, perhaps billions of souls come together to lock into the projection of their highest projected desire. For example, can you imagine how powerful it would become if you or me or whoever was listening to this podcast were to be able to unify and project our love in a single beam to affect a certain result. That's what the globes are. The globes are a, res a result of and a demonstration of what can be accomplished when we work together. And the globes take on 
the shape of a globe because that's the natural shape of what happens when souls of light come together. It's in, so lovely. In, so lovely. I mean, just visually, <laughs> right? You can just see these these globes. And also, I, I work with color therapy. So, of course, that was like... <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> really got me going. And also this idea, my mom is an international artist. Her, her name is Gwen Cates. And you were speaking about the ethereal artists and how they, and also the musicians, how they reach towards their own transcendence with their light color palettes. You know, a, 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 you know, a musician would use scales and notes and instruments. But I, I really loved that idea that you would, that in your own your your own creative outpouring is actually in some way taking you to the next level or can be, I guess, if it's transcendent. Correct. Uh, and that, again, is where synesthesia comes into effect because I employ that considerably in, in that very section. Uh, for example, when we're viewing the uh, celestial artists, we're realizing that their, canvas, their canvases are vibrational light and they can move into motion as opposed to just being opaque pieces of two-dimensional art. Nothing against that because that's all we have available to us now. But if we were able to utilize our creative will to move energy as artists and to use a palette of light, the representations are what we would have. Conversely, or as and in addition to that, the celestial musicians are doing just that. They're creating tremendous symphonies with the sheer power of their own creative will. There are no other participants, yet the music is such that it's akin to a thousand-piece orchestra. And uh, I utilize these elements to show how strong and how powerful our will is, the will that we are endowed with uh, and we can fine tune into these kinds of elements. And so again, these, uh, the, the synthesis of these works uh, show where we are headed as far as an evolutionary scheme of development as human beings. We will, these are not uh, fantasies. These are uh, elements of where uh, uh, I've had these experiences where I've visited uh, realms where this is happening. This was the best way for me to depict what was going on and what is going on. And it's only a mere fingertip, really, of what really is going on uh, out there in the higher levels of reality. But Trisara is an a example, an example of a civilization that has gotten past our point, that didn't destroy itself, and was able to move on and create its own purpose and evolution based on its desire to reach the source. Which we could maybe do too. I mean, it's a possibility, right? <laughs> well, I hope so. I mean, I, I, I wrote it in such a way, and the last chapter is sort of a prequel as well. I wrote it in such a way to where it uh, puts us in a position to realize this. And, and even though uh, we are in this state that we are in right now, we have this available to us as a, as a potential. Yes, we do. We do. And we can, I think, you know, maybe the more people that focus on it, realize it within themselves, communicate it with other people, <laughs> this is the way we can begin to bring it forward, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, in, okay, so in chapter three, you go into cosmic consciousness. So you've, in, in this, where we have the present, presence and angels. And in that chapter, I was really fascinated by the three-sided pyramid of presence, source, consciousness, and being. So this is getting... This is getting very deep and very ancient and very abstract here, but I would love to know more about the three-sided pyramid of presence. The three-sided pyramid, again, was the simplest example 
and I underline the word simplest because, as you said, this was not an easy portrayal. The three-sided pyramid is the simplest example of one thing having three aspects, uh, which is, in many religions, the mystical basis of uh, how they exist. Uh, Christianity, for example, has the Trinity. Uh, Hindus have uh, Brahma, Vishnu. Uh, And in essence, it shows us the nature of the source it's it's three different sides and that whole chapter is uh dedicated to explaining in some fashion how we as time space individuals come into existence what the fabric of space is how we exist in it and most importantly the fact that Everything is designed in such a way that we have our own free will, that we are the masters of our own direction. And it's by that uh, will that we either fly or die. So it, it was, I put it in that kind of context because I wanted to be sure that I wasn't saying that life is predetermined and that, you know, you come in with your genetic code and that's it, you're stuck with all that. No, no, no. Uh, We as uh, beings of light have our own spiritual will and we can choose to grow and we can choose to evolve and we can choose to create our own life and our own state of affairs, whatever that may be, good or bad. So thinking about that, it's a little interesting with the mainstream media right now because it's it's not what it's portraying. And so I wonder if the ultimate rebellion is just to claim our free will and create from our own hearts. The ultimate rebellion, in my estimation, will be a desertion of the current uh, paradigm, uh, the walking away from what has been presented to us as what is valuable, the materialistic, the competitive, the uh, origin of species uh, tells us that life is a struggle and only the strong survive. And that has been disproven now for the last 50 years. What's really going on is that the way we survive is through cooperation, through the ability to uh, become uh, partners with uh, those other beings in on the world and on this planet to create abundance for all. And I don't mean just uh, abundance in the basic food, clothing, shelter, although that's those are most important. I'm talking about abundance. I'm talking about abundant spiritual lives overflowing with love and ability to and an ability to see these greater uh, forces and, and move toward the light that uh, created us. Uh, so I think that what's going on, uh, there are many organizations, as I mentioned earlier, that are providing this ability. One of the things that I go into um, in the last chapter, well, we'll, we'll get there, but that, that's that's how I see that. Yeah, I, I love the return. So, yeah, uh, we don't want to miss the divine consciousness. <laughs> chapter four. You know, one of the things that I love about this chapter is the blackness, because you think, well, maybe this is giving up the verbal and the thinking and going into a different dimension, right? But the blackness, the luminous blackness you had there and the and the lilac tree that begins to come through it just, just visually struck me. And it seems so potent, like um like the great womb of the of the goddess or of the infinite universe. But it's yeah, do you want to speak about the blackness? The blackness, uh, the way I write about it, uh, was the result. <clears throat> excuse me. Of, and I go into great detail in terms of how it happened. 
but it reminds us that without light, there can be no understanding. We we are light. Uh, if you tr- if you walk into a room and turn the light off, you can't see us. We we are only visible when the light is turned on, and then only because it reflects off of our bodies. In this chapter, uh, I put it into the context of a fall, a fall from grace, if you will, into uh, a pr- presumed abyss uh, and the sorrow that uh, I felt in, in that context. And, of course, the ascension thereof into the uh, ability to begin through the sheer strength of will, the ability to rise through the blackness and begin to see the greater spiritual realities. And that is the whole context of, of that part of that chapter. Of course, the symbology of the dove that... Uh, takes us across the river of life is also very much the uh, Christ light, not to be confused with Christian, the Christ light of uh, the transition and transformation from the uh, world as we know it into the divine reality that we are heading toward. So it's, um, it's a beautiful chapter if you are able to put aside any f- former beliefs, if you are able to embrace the ability to uh, use your imagination. In fact, side note, much of what I've written is, in fact, all of what I've written is based on my own actual experiences. These are things that actually happened to me. I put it into story form because, as mentioned earlier, it's the only way that I could depict these events in a way to where they made sense. But the uh, essence of what is going on here is that if you read this and just allow your imagination to explore the visuals that are being presented here, at the end of the book, whether you believed what I've written or not, if you if allowed yourself to open up to the imagination of what is uh, being expressed here, you will find that you have been elevated just by the sheer reading of the book. That's very true. It seems like a, a really wonderful visionary map. And you do begin this journey through all the colors, <laughs> the hues and the, the tents um, in the very first part of the book with the story of the maiden and the Bedouin um, where she's writing. Would you like to tell that story? It's a really good story. Well, the maiden and the Bedouin is representative of what happens when someone is lost in their life and they have no idea what reality truly is. It's based on uh, the illusions that we deal with and run run to them only to find that they are empty grains of sand. In that story, the maiden is lost in the desert and with only one other individual in the story, and that's a Bedouin on top of a camel. And at first, it seems to her that this is like nonsense. She can't find her way. But to go through it without telling the entire story, at the end, we realize that there has always been guidance there for her. She just refused to accept it or refused to acknowledge it. And that is the same that is true with all of us. No matter how lost you may feel, no matter how deep into the desert you have traveled without knowing where you're going, if you reach for the highest guidance, that guidance will reach back and it will be there for you. In this story, as it turns out, the better one happens to be her higher self. And at the end, they are merged and she becomes uh, a spiritualized being uh, at the end of it as they ride off. 
Yeah, I think this is a beautiful story. And this, I also, the, here we have the hero's journey in, in a way, only you've taken it into multidimensional travel. <laughs> Instead of finding the, the holy grail, you found the heart of the universe, it seems. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it, it, it really is that. Uh, but with the result being that uh, the the journey's end is uh, like the hero's journey. If you see the depictions of it, the end is always the beginning. And that's just, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Well, and then we go into chapter five and, and you return to Trasara and we discover it might be a little more like earth than we, we might've known. Yeah, it's a thinly veiled disguise. <laughs> it really struck me when I was reading it. We've been so well. We had the moment momentary the blackness, but we've been in the light so much. Yeah. And and then, but this part was good. It was grounding, and it gave me a lot of hope. Actually. Mm. Yeah, it was. It's, it's the final chapter is actually in a way a prequel. Uh, it it tells us how the Tresara of the second chapter got there, how they you know what they had to go through, and how their transformation occurred. And I do put forth one again one way in which they facilitated this uh, goal, which was to create an entirely uh, entirely new language where they could transcend the spoken word and uh, communicate intuitively. That was the entire key of their ability to leave the material world behind and to elevate spiritually, because when you uh, communicate intuitively, the entire communication, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, is known simultaneously in all of its aspects, not in the linear fashion that words break down to be Mm -hmm. it's true i really had to ponder that one for a bit because i i love words but but you're right in a way they do they do slow things down and and trap and they're designed to do that really once you've had an experience and you've discovered a truth as soon as you speak it or write it down it's not quite accurate it's gone yeah (laughs) so that's that's really interesting so i i'm really curious about what will happen when we can just send colors or messages to each other i'm I'm there i think we should check it out we should try it it's it's already (laughs) happening like i said before there are organizations that are working on this very thing um and you don't hear about them because there's no death and destruction to, to announce to the millions of people that watch the evening news. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, you rarely hear anything positive, but there are many organizations working on this very issue. And um, uh, on my uh, site, you will see, we spoke about that before going on. On my site, you will see a video I did on Earth chakras. You have to click on the little link that says go to YouTube. And it will show one method in which the planetary circuitry of our planet can be unified, a la the uh, comments made in Chapter 5 and, and the actuality of the uh, how that can become a reality. Now, this is really fascinating. And I, if you're up for it, I'd love to do an episode just on Earth chakras because... I intuitively feel that this is true, that each of us can find a sacred space near us and start to tune to the energies there and become aware of the awakening that's going on in these places and how we're all linked. And that it does now and this does pull us into unity consciousness if we if we attune and learn learn how to do this. So are, are you up for yet another? Uh... I am. I've, I've enjoyed our conversation. And obviously, there's so much more we could speak of. But uh, this is just uh, a dipping a toe in the pool. But certainly, we can break all of these sections down, talk about them as long as you like. Wonderful. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we will set that up. 
And um, that one we might do on Wisdom of the Ages instead, but that will be really fun. Now, I loved the poem at the end of the book, and I was wondering if you would read the call. Sure. The call is was written actually long before the book. The call was written uh, when I first realized what my mission was going to be. And it goes like this. It's a little rhyme. The call. I know now, tis messengers we are, dawned to help others fly fast and far. I can see it coming through us and on to them. I can see us rising again and again. Over and over together we'll soar until oneness becomes a deafening roar. Then, with a great sweep of our might, we'll joyously rise and melt into light. Tis then we'll know the parts are whole and there really isn't any place to go. Then when from all return to I, it's to help reach and teach the next ones to fly. Over and over the journey is made, showing the way, showing the way. It's now I realize, it's now I see. Allow me, please, this privilege to be. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. It is a privilege to be. And to it be and to, and to be with you and speak to you. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate it. I've loved our conversation. It's been great. Really lovely. So, okay. So if people want to have a reading with you, where, where they go? AnthonyCharisi.com, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-T-E-R-E-S-I, all one word, dot com. And if they want to prepare for the next episode on Earth Chakras, where would they go? Uh, they would go to my site. Uh, you mean in terms of the video? Mm-hmm, to click it. Yeah. Find they, out would about, go, yeah. they would go to on, uh, uh, on the tab at the very right side of, uh, you click on media and under videos, uh, it will come up. Click on it. It'll go. It'll have a black screen and say, uh, I hope to fix it by then, but for right now, it, it'll say click click to view on YouTube. Go to YouTube and it comes right up. Okay, so you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah. All right. Fabulous. Okay, to be continued then. Thank you so much for sharing your light and your, your whole spiritual journey. It's just been marvelous. Fabulous. I enjoyed it very much. And thank you for thank you for doing this work. It's people like yourself that are are actually parts of that thousands of uh, individuals that I mentioned that are doing the work every day. Thank you, thank you. It's, I really enjoy connecting with the listeners, with with guests, with visionaries all around the world. Because um, yeah, it just I think it. Oh, gosh, what are we creating? You know, it's actually yeah. kind of exciting, right? It's uh, it does feel like we're stepping into an entirely new way of of being. Okay, wonderful. I will see you next time. All right, all right. Many blessings. Bye-bye. Okay, all right. Many blessings to all. Many Bye-bye. blessings to all. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.